Hi, this is Gina Pickering, and this is a story about apples, women, innovation, and our future. It's also about recognition of a previously little-known Western Australian woman named Maud Williams. It's a pomiferous yarn about the power of apple ancestry, a multi-million dollar international industry, and a reminder of how curious we need to be with history. What is a lady Williams? Without the Lady Williams, you don't get a Bravo, you don't get a Pink Lady, you don't get a Sundowner. Lady Williams is the mother of these apples. Lady Williams is the mother of the most popular trademarked apple on planet Earth, Pink Lady. Lady Williams is the mother of all mothers of apples because subsequently these apples have also produced other apples, as you well know, because, of course, there's no end to the apple. That's author, comedian and more John Doust. He's writing a book about Western Australia's apples. This is a story with appeal and an unassuming, dedicated and hard-working woman at its core. And that's not all. It includes some eye-rolling puns about apples. So in some ways, the easier story, the most visible story, is the story of men because they held public positions. We have to try a little harder to find women, to find other diverse people who don't necessarily act in positions of authority. It's not where their contribution has come from or where their innovation is found. They're often doing it in unusual places that aren't as the leader of an organisation. And Maud Williams is a very good example of that kind of history. This is Professor Susan Broomhall from the Gender and Women's History Research Centre at the Australian Catholic University. Maud Williams. Her story takes us to a beautiful part of Western Australia. The southwestern forests, just over three hours from Perth, in the very heart of Apple Country. We had 12 acres of orchard, had all sorts of apples and stone fruit. Besides that, we had to milk 40 cows by hand for a long time. I had to milk seven, Bob had, my brother had to milk seven before we went to school. Came at night and the milk, the milk goes same seven again night. That's Maud's son, Ron. He's 88 now. Mum and Mrs Williams were really great, great friends, really good friends. And that's Rodney Gibson, childhood neighbour who was over at the Williams place all the time. Oh, yeah, there was always apple pies going. I think Mum was always making apple pies, definitely. Yeah, yes. Maud Williams, husband Arthur, and their two boys, Ron and Bob, lived on a little farm in a place called Donnybrook, doing it tough and with a generous spirit in the 1940s, 50s and 60s. There was no electricity... No running water in the early days, and those who knew Maud are still around to tell us firsthand what happened. My mum, she loved the lady. She was always laughing and joking and carrying on. She was always a hard worker. Every morning she up milking the cows with Dad and me. 
remember she used to uh, get a lot of catalogues, maybe some of the old women's magazines or the papers, and cut out from the horticultural people interesting plants, different plants, you know, more than just your roses and, and that, petunias. She had things like, you know, like, like phajoas in the early days and hydrangeas and just unusual plants which you'd never get from a local nursery or anywhere. Whatever she put in the ground, it, it turned out really well. My name is Jeff Williams. Maud Williams was my grandmother. I have a memory of walking around there with her and you could see how proud she was of that environment. Yeah. And one of those plants was an unusual apple tree that grew up right next to the tank stand, an apple tree that would change the apple world. Beautiful red apple it was, beautiful red apple. And uh, those days it was a big tree, massive tree those days. And you used to have 20 or 30 cases on every year. And then we planted a few trees around the place and we, my mum sent uh, 20 cases off his apple tree one day, picked 20 cases of it, sent them to markets in Perth, got $20 a case. When the granny spirits were getting $3 a case. It was an apple that commanded attention. Despite the efforts of Maud's boys to rip the apple tree out of the ground or even chop it down, Maud continued to look after it and care for it. This apple tree truly delivered, and so did Maud. Well, I can see the tree. It was a huge big one right by the house. Easy 75 years ago that I first started calling her Lady William. Well, I suppose I just always did, you know. Probably I was very shy as a little girl. Instead of saying Mrs Williams, I said Lady Williams, and that's just what I called her. That's Lynn Green. She's truly at the core of this story. I'm 80. Yes, I've just turned 80, actually. We had Williams's next door, which was our closest neighbour. We used to walk through the bush. Even as little kids, we walked through the bush over to Williams's. I don't know, couldn't tell you exactly how far it was, but we crossed the river and through the bush over to Williams's and spent a lot of time with Miss Lady Williams. Well, I guess um, what you can see now is basically a sucker of the original rootstock. And when we came to the farm in 1988, it was a much bigger tree. But it's still producing fruit and uh, it's, uh, it's bare at the moment. But come uh, October, late October, it'll be flowering and then there'll be fruit on it from, from really, you know, October, November until, until June. G'day, I'm Barry Green. I live at Baronia Farm at Donnybrook, the home of the Lady Williams apple tree. I think what strikes me about Maud Williams' story is that her name 
is on an apple that we all know. We've all heard of the Lady Williams apples, and it's astounding to me that we don't know the person behind that story. Here we are entering our fruit laboratory where we will do all our apple testing in, in the peak of the apple season. Here we test for, for fruit pressure, we test the sugars, we test the acid levels. My name is Steele Jacob. I'm with the Australian National Apple Breeding Program with the Department of Primary Industries in Western Australia. So the Lady Williams um, was a Western Australian discovered apple. Of course, it was, it was discovered by chance, a chance seedling in, in the Donnybrook region. And from what we know, it was a cross between Granny Smith and the Rokewood apple. I suppose the Daily Williams attributes were that it was a nice, firm, hard apple, um, which is great for, for storage. So here we have this strange situation where we have her name in the public domain with no backstory as to why that was the case. Maud Williams I put right up there with Maria Granny Smith and all the other women in this long journey of the apple because if you think about the Lady Williams tree, and I've You've seen now the original Lady Williams apple tree. I've eaten, you've eaten from the original Lady Williams apple tree. And it's a damn fine apple, I still got to say. This is John Downst. I'm a published novelist, performer, lecturer. And I'm writing a book about the history of the Pink Lady apple and the world of apples because the world of apples did not start with the Pink Lady and it ain't going to end with it either. So what happened? And why isn't Maud Williams a famed name? Well, um, I've looked after it for the 33 years we've been here and it's still alive, but it's the story of the tree, which I'm, uh, you know, I think should be, should be recognised. We visited uh, Kew Gardens in England in 2017 and I was talking to a bloke there and he said, geez, if, if that tree was here, there'll be all sorts of protections about it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's known by some people in government. I actually put it on, the, on the, the National Register of Significant Trees. I think it's very important that the recognition should come from Lady, Lady Williams, or Mrs Williams, because... She's the one that protected the tree, you know, and she's the one that, you know, cared about it. And yet she's got no recognition from what I gather, you know. Not that I've heard along the way. Maud appears to be the first person to have recognised the value of this particular variety of apple. And took the time to insist upon it to her family members to stop them from cutting this tree down. So her actions are the first actions, they're the beginning actions, the origin story of this particular apple. And that's really important that we put her back into that picture. And so we are. To an outsider, apple breeding is like roulette in slow motion and over years. Apples are complex, there's just 
They're incredible. I mean, if you, for example, have siblings and you lined all, say you've got five siblings, you line them all up and you look, people will be able to pick that you all belong to each other, that you are related. If you pick, you get five seeds out of an apple, plant them all, let them all grow, they all produce, won't look anything like each other. There is no resemblance whatsoever. Why? Because of the complexity. How many genes are in it? In a human? Oh, 25,000. That's a lot of genes. Oh my goodness me, so complicated. In an apple, 57,000 genes. So, in regards to our apple breeding program, um, John Cripps saw the qualities in the Lady Williams apple and, and wanted to cross the Lady Williams qualities with firmness and, and storageability with a really good eating apple being the, the Golden Delicious. So he crossed those two together and was lucky enough to, to come up with the Cripps pink apple um, very early on in the, in the crossing process. Yes, getting the apple tree that you want is difficult because you've got to you've got to plant all these seeds then you've got to watch them all you've got to nurture them yes it is a game of chance apple breeding look it's not easy and it's years it's 20 years it's 10 years it's a lot of work I'm writing the book because the world of apples excites me, enthuses me, and of course you can't write much about an apple. You've got the genetic complexity of the apple, you can write about the, the genome of the apple, but it's really a story about the people around the apples. There is such a long history of gendering of the apple. I mean, we can go right back into kind of the, the, the myth history of, of Western civilization, right? Go back to classical sources, go back to the, to the biblical sources to connect women and apples in quite often very dangerous ways. It's about a search for knowledge, uh, about an understanding for knowledge and women's access to knowledge. It, it funnily enough, it returns back to some of the issues we're talking about in understanding how women can make new knowledge in, in an agricultural setting. The Lady Williams apple is the parent apple to Western Australia's huge apple success stories. You could say it brought the industry to fruition. So there was an apple called Big Time, Sundowner and Pink Lady. Then they have to save that tree and they, they have to produce other trees. And, of course, you can't just then take the seeds from the apple from that tree because you won't get the same seed in the apple again. So what you do is you graft all the pink lady apple trees on the planet. There's millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of them now. They all have their origins in that original tree. So with our apple breeding program, I suppose our biggest achievement has been the, the pink lady apple. Well, it was bred 50 years ago by, by the Department of Agriculture, as we were known then. Um, and it has since become one of the, the top 10 of the world's apples. John Cripps is the name synonymous with the pink lady. He's a pink lady legend, and it took 25 years to make that apple great. 
And the royalties from the sale of the Pink Lady apples have funded a new apple called the Bravo. 600,000 trees are growing across Australia and it's being tested in sites across the world. Bravo indeed. When I reflect on my father, particularly since his passing, I come to understand him in greater depth. Perhaps that's the joy of hindsight. I see in my father a high level of determination, persistence and tenacity to see things through despite the barriers or difficulties. I really am immensely proud. Hi, this is Helen Cripps. I'm the daughter of John Cripps and I'm a scholar of innovation. After Dad's death, um, a number of the female employees reached out to me and said how much they appreciated uh, working with Dad, that he was really good to work for. He liked women um, and he was comfortable with them and he saw opportunity for them as well. Most of the work done on John Cripps' team was done by women. Why? Because women... John says they have that dexterity, that manual dexterity, that ability to attend, that lack of ego. Oh, I'm going to man, I'm going to make an apple. I, you know, and you know, men are often a bit brutal, so they get the flower. Blah, 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 blah. But it's all delicate and softly, softly, very carefully. I think people often think that the information is not there about women in the past, but my experience as a historian has been that the material is there in the archives, in people's stories. It is there to be found. It's a question of us asking the questions, wanting to know answers and looking for this information. Part of the opening up of women's histories and women's participation in agriculture is asking the questions and looking to find out what happened in the past and how that's reflected in the present, when women are leaders in the apple industry. We have apples from Western Australia, we have workers from Vanuatu, and we have technology from France. My name is Nick Giblett. I'm a director of Newton Orchards in Manchamart, Western Australia. Nick is showing me the process area for her apples. Women workers are inspecting hundreds of apples at speed, looking for flaws. Rivers of apples float through this process plant. Literally, they float so as not to bruise. 40 million apples pass this way every year. Nick's family has been involved for generations and since 1929. We are looking at our Kansi apples in full bloom on a stunning day in Camberang. Camberang in the proper southern forest, Noongar seasonal terms, but in apple terms it really still is spring. So you can see this little um, bunchlet here has finished flowering and so we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, we've got eight potential apples there and we only want two or three at the most. Every year you have to do 28 things perfectly in the orchard to get a sellable apple. 
If you miss any one of those things, you've got a problem. My role in our industry, yeah, absolutely lifelong, whether I've been on the farm or not, um, because certainly watching my dad and mum and aunties and uncles and cousins all um, being involved in the family business over the years. Uh, but yes, for the last few years, I've been absolutely hands-on and now um, co-director and owner with my brother, Michael. Um, and with Dad Harvey still working on the orchard and advising us. I feel that our business is probably different to many in the industry, that we've always have had a heavy involvement of women at you know, all, the, all levels of the business, including um, managerial and ownership, um, whereas traditionally I think it's a fairly male-dominated industry. That's, of course, you know, changing somewhat now, but it's probably a little different for Newtons that since, um, you know, my mum was one of five daughters and one son, and, and they were always encouraged just as, you know, as, as equals. As Nick showed me around hectares of apples, she also told me she'd had a recent epiphany about the role of the orchard in people's lives that it wasn't all about making money. It was about enabling lives to happen, for children to go to school and families to have homes. We rebranded nearly 15 years ago, and it's probably nicely indicative of what we've been talking about, that it was important to retain our history with the, the Newton brothers, my maternal grandfather and his brother at the time, but um, we were always Newton brothers. But we dropped the brothers because it was time to um, pay attention to the fact that, you know, women, their daughters and their granddaughters had been heavily involved in running the business since, really since the 1960s. So now we are Newton Orchards, which is encompassing of the Newton brothers, their wives and the, their descendants. I would love to see more young women coming up and through the ranks in our industry. I know there's a few out there now. There's just so many ways that women can help with the, the management of people um, particularly and as you know, the main asset of our industry is, is people because we are one of the most labour-intensive um, crops there is, is to grow. Generally, women undervalue their skills, knowledge and expertise. So um, women have the skills to multitask. Um, women can create networks and relationships. But one of my big things is I try and enable other people to be successful because the road that they're going to walk is not the road I'm going to walk. But if that person is not successful, then what they have to contribute will be missing from society and society will be poorer for it. Home West, uh, our name is derivative of the uh, plant species uh, for apples and pears. And actually, I believe that is a French uh, word. So we decided that poem is what we refer to, and we thought we'd call ourselves Poem West to represent the apple and pear industry. This is Nadia Stacey, Executive Manager of Poem West. 
I think we're innovative because we've been able to build on our traditions uh, and use the varietals that have come out of from the original Lady Williams tree, I suppose, with the Pink Lady and the crosses that have been achieved. And I think we just represent a fresh approach to the apple industry and the global industry in, in, that, in that regard. And this matters because we need a diversity of voices at the table in our decision making today, whether it's about agriculture in Australia, whether it's about how we're going to mitigate the effects of climate change. Women today can see they're not the first people to be doing this work. There is a history of women who have gone before them. It's so critical for people to understand, to, to know that there are role models, to see someone like them who has participated in this industry, to see that you've come from somewhere and that other women have faced some of these challenges in the past before and they've overcome them and they've found ways to break through and to make their contribution. And what would Maud think of all this? His grandson, Jeff. You know, she wasn't seeking glory as a person, but she would have been proud too, you know, uh, chuffed. To know that to know that that, that uh, apple was named after her. If you could flick a switch and bring her back now, and and she'd be sitting over there, she'd she'd be quite excited about what's going on here. Yeah.